The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. If you're like every other CEO or company leader, you wonder how you're going to get the most out of your employees, how you're going to get the best out of your employees. And sometimes you might even wonder how you can get them to exhibit an attitude of excellence. To address this, Dr. Willie Jolly. Dr. Jolly, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Joel, and I appreciate your having me. And first of all, you, we've been friends for a long time, so you just call me Willie. And, and second, I am grateful and honored to be on your program. And most people know me know I start the same way everywhere I go. I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. It's forced upon me. I can't refuse it. I didn't seek it. I didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but our eternity is wrapped up in it. So I'm grateful. I'm honored for this minute, this moment, this opportunity to help your listeners to grow their impact, their income, and their legacy so that they can sleep better at night knowing that some of this information would have an impact on them. What, what is that little uh, thing that you did? Is it like a prayer? Is it like a little self-motivation thing? What is that? It's called God's Minute, and it was written by Dr. Benjamin Mays. So I've been speaking now almost 30 years, and when I started speaking, I read about Dr. Benjamin Mays. Dr. Benjamin Mays was Martin Luther King Jr.'s mentor. And he was the president of Morehouse College. And when Martin Luther King was 15, his father brought him to Morehouse College to meet Dr. Mays, who was a well-known educator, philanthropist, philosopher. And Dr. 
uh, Mays became MLK Jr.'s mentor. And he wrote that piece, and it's called God's Minute, that you must make the most out of every minute. We know that everybody who's listening to this audio can make more money. Everybody can make more money. But no one who is listening to this audio can make more time. You've got 1,440 minutes per day. You can't make another minute of that day. And when your time is up and over, it's over. So you've got to make the most of each and every minute. You can't waste these minutes because they're precious. We can lose money. We can lose assets. But we must protect our time and make the most of it. So that's why I start everything with that. I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. And it's forced upon me. I can't refuse it. I didn't seek it. I didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. It's just a tiny little minute. But our eternities, our legacies, our mission in life is wrapped up in it. Well, you know, what, what, I, what I like about it is it's very positive. It's very inspiring. And it, um, it probably... It probably locks up very nicely with your message. It's probably a lot has a lot to do with why you're successful getting people. The, you bring out the best in people. I mean, you're a cheerful uh, person, and you know you just uh, you just kind of exude that about you. Well, I'm very grateful. I, I love what I do, and I love the fact that now, after many years of doing it, people come up to me in the weirdest, weirdest places. And say, I heard you 20 years ago or 25 years ago. I was struggling or I was a student or I was making poor choices. And your message, your enthusiasm, it really inspired me and made me think different about my future and about my possibilities. And I believed that your words were true. And I took action on my new belief system. And now today I'm a like city councilman, or now today I'm a director, or now today I'm a president of a company, or now today I'm a CEO. Uh, whatever it is they say they are, it really is uh, gratifying that I get to do what I love to do. And at the end of time, after I've done it a number of years, I see that there's some dividend that comes from my actions. So let's let's talk about how do we uh, turn this. Um this very nice thing into uh, the inside track that companies can start to profit from. Yes. How, how does your insight help companies develop better people who exhibit better attitudes and look forward to coming to work? And let's talk about some of your ideas about how that works. Well, before I give you my ideas, let's give you a, a, a object lesson or a case study that says, Okay, this guy might know what he's talking about because you know a lot of people might spout off ideas of well, I know how to motivate people, how to motivate people, but they can't motivate themselves out of paper bag. So, uh, and I'm sure your listeners have heard some of those people say, well, what's his story? How do I know this guy knows anything? Well, most people in corporate America know me for my work with a little company called Ford Motor Company in 2006. Ford Motor Company was on the brink of bankruptcy. They were losing market share 
hand over fist. Market share had gone from 50% market share down to 15%. Toyota had surpassed them and many others had surpassed them and they were on their way out of business. Ford decided they needed to make some drastic changes. They brought in a new CEO who was not a car guy, who had never worked for a car company. He was a plane guy. His name was Alan Mulally. And they brought Alan Mulally in from Boeing. He had turned Boeing around. And they said, we need your help. Initially, Alan Mulally turned them down. But then he thought about it. He said, this is an American icon. And... I not only like the challenge of helping them, but it would be a shame to see this iconic company go out of business. So he took on the task of helping to save and turn Ford around. And one of his first ventures in doing that was he needed to get his workforce energized, empowered, and changed. And so one of his employees or staff people or executives had heard me speak at a conference and had bought some of my books and said, there's this guy. He lives in Washington, D.C. He's written books. He really just energized and just blew away a conference I was at. Everybody was on their feet clapping. and I think he can help us. They called. I talked to them. We had a conference call. They brought me on as part of the Ford uh, program and campaign to turn the people around so they could turn Ford around. That was 2006. They brought me back in 2007. They brought me back in 2008. As you might remember, in 2009, Ford was the only one of the big three automakers in America to be able to reject a government bailout. Yeah, I, of course I remember that, of course. Yes, they went from losing a million dollars a month in 2006 to making a billion dollars a month in 2009. Now, did the economy go up between 2006 and 2009? No, it went down. What changed? Thinking. The thinking that we were able to instill in the, the workers at Ford changed. And as a result of that thinking change and that cognitive directional change, Ford changed. So now what I do with companies from, well, first of all, from there, uh, Detroit Free Press wrote a beautiful article about Ford's amazing comeback and lauded and applauded Alan Mulally for his great work. But in the article, they wrote one line that changed my life. They said one of their secret weapons was a guy named Willie Jolly, no a motivation speaker. That same day, General Motors called. And soon thereafter, Walmart called and Verizon called, and Johnson & Johnson called, and Prudential called. And one after another started, Fortune 100 company said, if you can help Ford, you can help us. So for the last 10 years or more now, I've been able to go around the world speaking to Fortune 100 companies about transforming their thinking of their people so that they can transform the impact of the company and the, and the revenues. Here's what I, I learned Joe, is that great companies tend to give great service, which is why they're great companies. And great companies tend to have great people giving those companies that boost, that lift. And great people tend to give great service. But good people often are in companies and they give good service. 
Mediocre people only have the capacity to give mediocre service. And negative people will kill your organization and kill your future if you hang around them. I like to always tell people, you hang around with nine losers, you're going to be number 10. So you've got to make a decision to either grow your people or help them to go. It's one or the other. Change people, change people. We've heard that before. But really, it's about growing your people. And, and the great organizations know that they got to get the greatest people on the court, on the field, on, on, in the contest. So if you look at a football team or basketball team, they know they got three ways to get a world-class team. They can uh, draft great players right out of college. They can uh, acquire great players by trade or by uh, free agency, or they can take the ones they've got and make them better. Now, free agency can be very expensive. And drafting, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. But if you've got good people with good basic skills and tendency, but if they got the right attitude they, and they're teachable, you can take them from being good people to exceptional people and great people. And then uh, great people start to get more great service because they're better. Well, listen, so th this is exactly what we want to dig into. I, I was going to ask a question about Ford. Uh, you know, a lot of the auto companies, they have such toxic relationships with their unions. And oh. the, the management, the oh. unions, they're fighting, they're head to head all the time. How do you, how do you improve the relationship with the people when you have this kind of, a, you know, toxicity in the environment? I mean, you don't have to answer that specific question if you don't want to, but. No, no, no. That's a, that's a great question because there is no tougher union in America than UAW. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, that's right, exactly. That's big one. And so did you know that before I could speak for Ford, I had to get either a thumbs up or thumbs down from UAW? No kidding. To speak to their people. Yeah. Really? Is that is that how it is for all speakers? I don't know about, I assume, because we were doing a national tour. Oh. We, so it wasn't just coming and giving one speech, but we were doing a national tour and they had to give a thumbs up, a thumbs down. Well, thank goodness I am union. Okay, first of all, I am union. I'm AFTRA, SAG-AFTRA, because I host a, a nationally syndicated radio program. So first of all, I understood the union psychology uh, uh, mindset. But second of all, is I also was able to empathize with union workers as well as management. And because I'm in business, I understood management's perspective. And because I'm, I'm also a talent, as they say, in the radio industry, I understood unions. So I was able to have conversations with both. I got a thumbs up. I'll never forget the guy's name was Tony, who was the president of the local union and Detroit. And he said, man, this is somebody we want talking to our people because he will inspire them and encourage them and uplift them in a very challenging time. So it can be very difficult. Now, let's go back to your question. What's the impact that unions can have? Well, it can be encouraging or uplifting or it can be devastating. Right, 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 right. Right. It depends on how and who 
you have working with the union. They got to be somebody who understands their, their psychology. If you're just coming in with just a management mindset, then you're maybe not going to be able to empathize with that union person who may not have, have a, uh, a lot of education or may have an education because there are a lot of who do, but who, who more so are going by the union party line. So when I was able to do the work with Ford, I was able to speak to both sides and find some symmetry. So my, my advice to your listener is this. The greatest negotiations in any industry happen when both sides leave the table thinking that they won. Yeah. That they, 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 they won. And that is not only possible, it's very doable if you go in with a mindset that we want everybody to win and be happy. You know, it might not be all, you might not get everything you want. But it's like a great marriage. It's a, it's, it takes sacrifice and compromise. Uh, my wife and I have a marriage book that's pretty popular, Make, a, make Love, Make Money, Make It Last. And this marriage book is really taken off because we tell people that in great marriages, it's going to take some sacrifice, it's going to take some compromise, and it's going to take communication where both parties feel like they're winning. The same is true in a, in a business relationship. That you want the union guy to walk away feeling he's he's happy and he's he's given some he's he's compromised some he's gotten some and and vice versa for management and if if, if people go in with that mindset which is what we did with Ford then we can start to see the same kind of results we're talking about a company that went from losing millions to making billions monthly so we want to get more companies to grow to succeed to prosper. And we want more of the leaders to be able to sleep better at night because they don't have those kind of, uh, as I like to say, they don't have that kind of drama. I was talking to a guy just yesterday, and he was saying how he had gained a significant amount of weight because of the stress in his life from his employees, from his the suits that he was fighting, and from all sorts of uh, challenges in the workplace, he brought it home and became a unconscious eater. He had gained like 50 pounds. And he said, you know, I had to find a way to reduce the stress uh, at work. Well, one of the ways to do that is get people at work who are, who are fighting along with you on the same side with the same agenda than fighting against you going the other way. So that's one of the things I want to encourage your leadership listener People who are knowing that I've got a good company or I got good people, but I got a, I got a lot of stress. So what we want to do is grow the people by growing their thinking. And if we do that, they start to have greater success. How do you do that? No, how do you do that? That's the next thing. How do you do that? How do you change their attitudes? How do you change their perspectives? How do you get them operating in excellence? Uh, as I as I think I said to you uh, offline, is that. Most companies have two major issues they've got to resolve on an ongoing basis, capitalization or revenues, and then people, getting and keeping good people. Those are ongoing issues. I can't help you with the raising capital. 
but I can help you with fixing your and growing and and empowering your people because that's what I've had success with doing. Um, Ford and GM and and Washington D.C. government and, and uh, Walmart. Um, I mean, just a lot of Fortune 100 companies now who I've been able to help them grow their people. And it starts with one, helping develop leaders across the spectrum of your your whole organization at every level. Leaders from top to bottom, managers, mid-managers, entry level, creating leaders who believe their work is valuable and important, even if they're cleaning their offices at night, that everybody on the team is critically important to the success of the venture. And so creating leaders, then helping people, number two, helping people understand that this is a growing prospering, changing organization. And as a result, we've got to deal with change. As an everyday occurrence, something different is going to change. Many of the industries who we're, you're talking to are dealing with change because the great organizations are constantly pushing change. And as, the, as you're pushing change, you realize that change is going to happen whether you like it or not. Change is a supersonic freight train. And as, as it comes down the track toward you and where you are, you've got three options. And those three options are, are going to be having, you got to take and are going to be impacting your future. One change option is you resist it. I don't want to change. That's not the way we've always done it. I don't like doing it like that. I, I don't know if that's going to work. And so they cross their arms and they stand in front of the train. And that's not a good idea because the train will run them over. We know companies that did not change and they're out of business. You know, I, it's like having a blockbuster mindset in the Netflix world. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> so so we got we to gotta get people to, one, change. Two is is that they resist it. Second, they ignore it. They say, oh, it's no big deal. That This social media stuff, I'm ignoring that. This, this social media stuff, I, 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 why somebody want to know where I am, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking? No, that's not a good choice. Don't ignore it. So you can either resist it, you can ignore it, or you can get on board. Get on board and ride it. And if you're really, really, really wise, you'll see how you can drive it. Those who drive change maximize their potential. And so we want people to, to change. We want them to lead. We want them to change. Then we want to understand that great organizations understand the power of the team, that it really is everybody working toward one agenda working like a team, thinking like a team, acting like a team, and there you tend to win more like a team. The great organizations understand that everybody is an MVP. Everybody. Because it only takes one negative person to make everybody look bad. So everybody got to be working and thinking and acting like a team. So we got to come up with how this team is for everybody and how we can help each other to create 
success. And that's, that, that, that teamwork is which leads to this customer service, which is two parts, customer service internal and external. Now, the internal customer service is how you serve your coworkers, your suppliers, the people who help you in a day-to-day basis in this company. But then there's the external customer service, which is the people who give you money in exchange for what you offer them in value. So it's leadership, change, team building, customer service, and finally, it's developing a winner's mindset. Now, a winner's mindset is a mindset that says, I don't know how I'm a winner. I'm behind the eight ball. This is a tough market. We've lost market share. Our numbers are down. I, I, my, somebody stole some of my best people. Whatever it may be that you don't know how you're going to get through this, but your mindset says somehow, some way, I'm winning. We're going to win. I don't know how we're going to do it. We got to, and that's a winner's mindset. So listen, these are all great ideas. Uh, easier said than done, for yep. sure. Um, yep. You know, so let's take the last one, the winner's mindset. I, I happen to think of all of them. I mean, the, everything that you said is is tremendously important. Uh, I think the, these all line up with trends that are uh, that are very big in our economy and in our in our world. And, and I've written about them in a new paper that I recently uh, released. Uh, which which I'm going to send to you, by the way, when we're done here. But uh, the thing that um, that I want to know about this winner's mindset deal is there are some people that just don't have it. They just don't have a winner's mindset. They didn't have it when they were five. They didn't have it when they were 10. Uh, their parents didn't have it, and they probably inherited it, which is probably why they don't have it. How do you, how do you help those people feel better about what they do and you just have to exile them to uh, Siberia somewhere, or is there, are they fixable? I, I think every, you know. I think everybody's fixable. You know, Zig Ziglar used to say, "If people aren't living and working up to their potential, is for one of three reasons: one, that they are not motivated; two, is that they're sick; or three, they don't have enough positive stimulation to get them to change." Now. Is everybody going to be a just a go-getter, a grind-it-out, make-it-happen kind of person? I believe they, they're possible. But see, you got to look at how my mind works. My mind works like this, Joel. I believe that everybody has the potential to be a leader. Now, some people, it comes easier than others. But... I believe everybody has the potential to be a leader. And I also believe that it is not about if you are smart, it's how are you smart. And so what we might find is some people have skills that they might be misplaced. They might be in the wrong spot, but they have they have skills or abilities or gifts. And maybe that's because I'm such an optimist that I see a pig and I believe that you put a couple pearls on it and it's going to do all right. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, though, here, so here's the thing, you know, I'm also an optimistic person, just like you. I believe that optimistic people, you know, want to make people better. They want to make people the best that they can be. And I measure people based on what I think their potential is. 
you know, every kid cannot accomplish the same thing, right. but everybody's got a certain potential and you have to help people maximize their potential. But what that means is that the leaders have to be big, optimistic personalities that draw this kind of thing out of people. And not every leader is like that. I mean, some leaders are more administrative. I mean, I, I think that there are three, I think there are three categories here. I think there's administrators, managers, and leaders. Administrators push paper around. Managers, you know, kind of push people around and leaders pull people. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's how I look at the world. So not, not different really from you, just, you know, kind of parallel. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think it's, 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 it's uh, different types of leadership styles. But I learned a lot from Alan Mulally in that forward. And actually, I want to give everybody who's listening the chapter from my latest book where I talk about some of those points that Alan Mulally taught me. The book is called An Attitude of Excellence, and you can get a free chapter at attitudeofexcellence.com. And that free chapter is a chapter about Alan Mulally and how he instituted some specific leadership tools and techniques to turn Ford around that helped for turn Boeing around. They need him, you know, maybe back at Boeing now. But <laughs> here's, a, here's what Alan Mulally taught me was that before Ford came, before he came to Ford, Ford was a dog-eat-dog environment. No one was really willing to base their success on anybody other than this small little cubicle or silo. And what he got them to do was to pull down the silos and start talking across silos and being transparent. And, and it took a while for him to get people to be honest. But when he was able to finally get them to do that, things happened. So we're going to find some leaders who might not be the touchy-feely kind, who might not be warm and fuzzy. That's okay, because everybody doesn't have the same, the same personality types. They're different personality types. But you can all do some things that will help your team to win more. You can encourage your team. You can tell them, here's the vision. Here's where we're trying to go. And you can incentivize them that they can win with you by doing some things that will, will be uh, beneficial to you and to them. So there's some principles that work for whoever. You know, gravity works for everybody. You know, you jump off a bridge, I don't care who you are, you're going down. All right? <laughs> so, uh, so I think that we can start to learn that there are some principles that are universal and that work for everybody. You know, so what ended up happening? I mean, I mean, how long did the, did the turnaround take? Uh, you know, which of these things did they implement first? What happened? The first thing they did, they brought me in initially to do that. Well, the goal was to get 25,000 people to leave. That was the first goal, because go back to the UAW. UAW had signed a, a contract with Ford when things were going great. When things were going great, they signed this contract, and they had three shifts. And when they went to two shifts, they still had to pay the people 
like they were on three shifts. Well, that was bleeding cash. So the first thing when they called me said, we need you to help us get people to leave. We know you're a well-known motivator and you can seem to talk people into anything. <laughs> Would you talk them into leaving? Uh, we're we're going to offer them $100,000 cash, four years college, and four years health insurance. You would think that would be an easy sale, but it wasn't going well. They, by the time they brought me on, they had only 4,000 people who accepted it. They were People were not accepting it and were not interested in it. They said, well, we want you to help us to make these people take this buyout. I said, well, I appreciate that. But the problem with that is that I don't know these people's um, situation. I don't know their financial situation, their family situation. I think it would be disingenuous for me to motivate them to leave when I don't know what their, their individual situations are. But I do encourage that if you let me do what I do and give my story, I think it can have a profound impact. My story is such that I was a nightclub singer who got fired, replaced by a karaoke machine because it was more cost-effective for the club where I had been performing and had created a very popular night spot and made them a lot of money. But ROI, getting a return on investment, they had to pay me a certain amount every night. They buy the karaoke machine once, it's done, and karaoke was hot at that moment. People were filling up nightclubs. It was devastating to me because all I knew to be was a singer. And yet I knew I had to change. And I took this job with D.C. government public schools as a drug prevention coordinator. As part of my job, I had to start talking to little kids about staying away from drugs. From the little kids, the, the big kids. And the big kids, the teachers say, can you come to our teacher's group? Someone there say, can you come to my church? And someone at the church say, can you come to my company? And then Les Brown heard about this speaker who was also a singer, and he was doing a tour called the Music and Motivation Dream Team Tour. He needed an opening act, and he kept hearing about my name and invited me to be on tour with him and Gladys Knight and Billy Preston. That allowed me to get seen by corporate folks, get seen by big audiences, also allowed me to get noticed by radio and television people. I got a radio show as a result of introductions by Les and Gladys Knight which led me to create a syndicated radio program called the Willie Jolly Motivational Minute. And that led to Sirius XM, where I'm now proud to say I have the number one self-help show in America on Sirius. That led to a book publisher hearing me on the radio and inviting me to do a book. I, read, I wrote a book called It Only Takes a Minute to Change Your Life. Became a national bestseller. Then a setback as a setup for a comeback. Became a global bestseller then turned setbacks into greenbacks, then an attitude of excellence, and chicken soup for the soul, then uh, make love, make money, make it laugh, my, my wife. And then in 1999, being named one of the top five speakers in the world by Toastmasters, then inducted in the Speaker Hall of Fame in 2005, then named uh, to one of the top five leadership speakers by speaking.com, and then last year being uh, named a legend of the speaking industry, all because I was willing to change and go forward with a new positive attitude. So, so, wait, so wait a second. So, so you offered people $100,000 college and a bunch of other stuff. So your message to get them to change was that embrace change sometimes uh, 
wife called me. My story. I, no, I just told him my story. I didn't tell him what to do. Okay. Okay. I didn't tell him. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't talk about the money at all. And not one of my speeches did I. I just told my story. Here's what I what what I told him without telling him that if a guy from Washington D.C. inner city can change his life from a broke, busted nightclub singer to become one of the top speakers in the world, a best-selling author, traveling around the world, making great amounts of money for giving a one-hour speech. If I could do it, maybe it's possible for you. So so what was the, the message was that maybe there's something in you that you're not exploring? There you go. Or there the opportunity. Go. Now, let me ask you this, though. Here's Joe. Here's the question. When they offered the people... $100,000 cash, four years college education, and four years health insurance. You work at Ford. Why did only 4,000 people take the offer? Well, let me tell well, you why. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, let me just take a guess. Yes. Because they're thinking about what happens in the fifth year. You know, I mean, I mean, what, I'm going to take the money. I'm going to, what if I don't get another job? I'm going to, they have, they, they have. No, a, that's not, that's not what's, that, that's, a, that might have been for a few of them, but the majority of them. What? That wasn't their reasoning. Okay. The majority of them was all they knew was Ford. Their daddy worked for Ford. Their granddaddy worked for Ford. Ford created the middle class. And, you know, that, that Ford kicked off the middle class in America. And so all they knew was Ford. Mm. And when there was three, they had, many of them worked there. They had only high school de- degrees, if that, or GED. But in good times, when they had three shifts and overtime. They had a house in Detroit, a house in the Upper Peninsula, UP, and an RV that took them before, between the two of them. They were living the good life. But when it went from three shifts to two shifts, thank that Rocky. But they still could only think of, all I known is Ford. I started working here when I was 16 or 17. My daddy worked here. My granddaddy worked here. All we've known is Ford. And that's what's scared them. They, what would I do without Ford? Well, one guy came up to me after my speech and he said, I listen to your story. I'm, I, I don't know if you know, there's a hundred thousand dollars. I said, well, I've heard about that. He said, I'm taking it. You have motivated me to take it. He took that hundred thousand dollars, four years of college, four years of health insurance. He went back to school, got a business degree because he said to me, I never thought I could do anything other than Ford. He took that hundred thousand dollars he took that four years college education. He invested $100,000 into some Subway shops, Subway sandwich shops. He now has 12 Subway sandwich shops across Michigan. He's a, <laughs> he's a millionaire. You know, so think about this. So, you know, what, uh, what Ford and what you helped this guy see was a new possibility for his life. And that's, that's, right. what, that's what leaders do. Great leaders inspire people to see the world in a different way. And to me, that's really the inside track of of all of this, uh, of making people great is helping them see the world in a different way. And, and what you, you, you know, what I love about this, this whole concept that you've got for this, pro, this program is that it gives leaders an insight into some things that they could do or they should do, or maybe they're not doing or, 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 or the inside track. So here's the story. Here's what I want you to leader to hear. Here's this facts, tell stories, sell facts, tell stories, sell. So, I want the leader to tell your story. Many, many of your workers, many of your employees don't know your struggles, don't know, you know what you've been through. We, so to develop relationships where you tell your, your story to some of your, your employees, the more communicative you can be in telling them, hey, I'm, I'm really that, not that much different than you. Now, we might have come from different schools, different areas, but there have been some struggles here. But when you get 
people to see that it is possible. What you just said, that things change dramatically. So I want to encourage people again to tell your story. Facts tell, stories sell. Listen, if if people could embrace that, if people could talk together more, and we live in an environment, unfortunately, where people don't do a lot of talking. I, I think a lot of the, uh, the the issues, the political, the racial, the religious, the, the hatred, the different problems, so many things would go away if we realized that we have a lot more in common than not. Absolutely. I mean, that's Absolutely. Soon. One of the things I've created is a new um, nonprofit organization called Jolly Good News. Jolly Good News is jollygoodnews.org is the website. Uh, but to in a time of bad news and sad news and, and depressing news, we need some good news. We need some good conversations. We need some uplifting. We need some applauding people for the, for the small things. We need some, some you know, being cheerleaders for our teammates. Yeah. One of the things I've learned, uh, Joel, is that everybody's going to have a tough day sooner or later. Yeah. Everybody. So if we encourage each other, then we can win. So look, I want to thank you for having me. Hey, well, listen, man, this, you know, I, I want to thank you for sharing the inside track on, on bringing the best out of people and really how to just create that attitude of excellence. Because really, you know, when you have the inside and you can profit from, from the inside, like our show, uh, that's what, that's what uh, you know, great business is about. And, and I appreciate you coming on. Listen, and I appreciate you being a longtime friend too. So man, you're my, so. Gu- you, you're my guy, you know, you're my guy. And I want to thank you for when my son was out there, you took good care of him and you he bet. always thank you. you. And I appreciate you. We had fun. He's, he's, a good, he's a good boy, your son. Yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. So thank you so much. And, and much continued success to all uh, who listen to you. And I would encourage everybody who's listening to make this part of your weekly routine to listen to Joel, as well as to share it with your friends and your coworkers. And we'll put all this stuff in the, uh, in the show notes, all your contact info. So thanks very much. And we'll be in touch. Okay. Great. You've been listening to profit from the inside with Joel block for more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer david wolf and his team at podcast and radio networks profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without david and his team for more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast reach out to podcast and the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from joe block Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.